There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. That's Cameron. Hi. My bizarre contribution to that was exactly what it is. I loved it. Thank you very much. And we've gathered together (laughs) this week to tell you that sleight of hand isn't just for magicians. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we're doing magic. Yes. We are going to, first we're going to travel a little bit. Ooh, I've always don't like traveling. We are going to, (laughs) we're going to listen to the great prophets and theologians of South Park. Mm. Okay. And we are going to. My college days. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. (laughs) Well, Canada's blaming us right now for sending them the ice and snow and whatnot and the freeze down in Texas. They're apologizing, asking us to please take our summer back. (laughs) Well, this is what they get. This is what the evil commies deserve. Okay. So what's going on? While many Americans feel the U.S. Constitution has been cast aside in the heavy-handed response seen from many in government to the pandemic. There's a loaded sentence right there. Yes, it is. Particularly when it comes to the free exercise of religion, a possible consolation here is that at least we don't live in Canada. All right, I agree. Canucks. I didn't say that. They said that. (laughs) Canucks have not only endured pastors being arrested in felony takedowns in the middle of the highway, Mm -hmm. they're also being heavily fined for as little as shaking hands. Just pastors? Everybody. 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 To the tune of $1,400. For shaking a hand over a virus that is not deadly, that science has now proven and people are now seeing that is not deadly. Canada, come on. Stop acting so stupid. Rebel News' Efron Monsanto posted a video of a Hamilton, Ontario police officer approaching him and citing him a total of $1,440 for reporting on a freedom rally. For reporting on it? Monsanto was reporting on what he described as a weekly freedom rally, which he said was organized by Anthony Gagliardi from Hugs Over Masks. Okay. His offense, he said, was that he was discussing the rally and shaking hands with one of the attendees. <gasps> so you're not allowed to discuss things. or So they are no longer a free state. They are communist Canada now. Earlier this month, Reverend, Ar- Reverend Artur Palowski, who's mm-hmm. the, the Polish immigrant, yes. a Canadian street preacher who has been defying state COVID orders, was arrested by heavily armed police for allegedly holding church services attended by dozens of unmasked worshippers who were not socially distanced. No. Video posted online shows the Reverend on his knees in the middle of a rain-soaked street with vehicles passing by slowly as a pair of officers handcuffed him and then dragged him to a waiting patrol vehicle after he, after he refused to stand and walk. Canada, shame on you. Now, my favorite is if, if you dig into this uh, reporter. Uh-huh. He actually got two fines. He got two citations. Oh, okay. Because they, they double whammied him. They got him once for being there. As part of the gathering, because there were, there were too many people for the outdoor gathering. They were exceeding the numbers. 
So okay. he got one fine for being there and then another fine for shaking somebody's hand. So a certain number of people can be there. So once yeah. you once they count past that number, you can't just you can just pick and choose whoever you want to start finding. That's just ridiculous. I, I think you just but, find everybody who's there because they've they've exceeded. Yeah. They're all part of it. But yeah, but yeah, you can have a certain number. But after that number, they're allowed to find you. And again, it's fourteen hundred dollars a pop. So it's two fines: one for shaking hands, which is a violation of some public health order. See, this becomes the problem for the last year when you give government any power. They abuse it to no end. Because they, they, they can't do they, anything else. Exactly. They can't. They, they just can't. They can't. Canada can keep the heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now you see why I said I'm not sorry? Uh-uh. No, nope. Nope. No. Nope. Texas can send them all the heat they want at go. this point and until they realize how ridiculous they're being. Yeah. Now, that's just What crazy. you're seeing is what we have warned about in action. Yes, we are. When we government forgets it. God. Uh-huh. Government seeks God. to become God, yep. which means the things that God regulates, how you interact with other human beings, part of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, uh-huh. how you train your children, how you interact in public, what things you're allowed to do in the marketplace. These are all things that are mandated in God's law and are regulated by how we are supposed to interact in Christ-likeness. Yeah. When you forsake all of that, and you tell the government, you need to regulate when I can go to the store. You need to regulate where my children get to do free time activities. You get to do all of this. Government just says, okay, sweet. Sure. Are you really sure? <laughs> no, they don't even ask, are you really sure? They just go, okay, you're sure about it. I'll go ahead. What's yeah. it? Is it Panic on the Disco that has that song that starts uh-huh. up? This is the moment we've all waited for. Exactly. Yep. Yep. All the Karens. Somebody needs to make you. Well, will somebody start making these Karens, please? Which, which, well, now, this is why, though, the line is so fuzzy between when you obey government and when you disobey government as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Be- and this is why I tell people it's a fuzzy line. It is. It is. Because the argument is that you are to respect all earthly authorities because they are ordained by God. And the answer to that is... Yes. yes. The, as I pointed out, I think it was Sunday morning I pointed this out. The two letters in the New Testament that tell you to obey your government are mm-hmm. Romans and First Peter. Yes. So Romans written by Paul, First Peter written by Peter. Peter. First Peter, obviously. First Peter, yeah. <laughs> Not the second Peter came along and wrote the other one. <laughs> so Paul and Peter are the two ap- apostles writing epistles. Say that three times fast. Blech. Who no. tell you to obey your government? Mm-hmm. Who killed Peter and Paul? The government. The government did. So because reached, at some point, they yeah, reached a point where both point Peter where and Paul said, "Wait, no, no, I respectfully decline. I will not do that because it is against God, and therefore my, I'm my, no my, longer going to obey." Yeah. You, I will obey God. There and reaches a point where my obedience yes. to you ends because it is infringing upon my obedience to God. Now, that point is going to be different for a lot of people. Yes, it's going to be your conscience is going to decide and to determine whether or not when that line is. When your conscience is like, okay, enough is enough. I can no longer do this and sleep at night. And it that's is time why, and that's why knowing that stories like this are out there and, and paying attention to them a little bit is so important because. You have to settle in your brain at least where some hard and fast things are. And again, your hard and fast wall may be different from somebody else's hard and fast wall. But you need to have one and you need to to determine where it is now. Mm -hmm. You can't do, um, was it it Marshall? I don't think it was Marshall. 
but the Supreme Court case from either the 60s or 70s where they were talking about the concept of indecency and whether or not yeah. something was indecent. Yeah. And so they I asked can't him, say and what he goes, is. he goes, I don't know. I can't define indecency, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. See, when it that comes to the work. Christian's obedience, you can't live that way. No. You have mm-hmm. to be able to say, no, 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 no. There's the line. You've crossed it. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And so you need to start settling that. Now, yeah. is it with your job? Is it with your commerce? Is it with your kids? You need to settle where that line is because it's going to be crossed. Yes. Because government is like their government is like overgrown children. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're exactly like overgrown yes, children. Once you give them a little bit of freedom, they just go until you reel them back in. As yeah. no family in human history has ever been raising children and said, you know. We just gave them freedom one day, and we told them that they needed to wash the dishes, and they took over washing the dishes as a chore, and then, like, the next day they were scrubbing the floor, and the next day they cleaned the toilet. We didn't even ask them. They just started doing that. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. No. Children instead are, you told, well, you're you're free. You don't need to ask me to go out into the yard. You're old enough, you know. You don't need to ask me to play in the driveway. You're old enough. You don't need to ask me to go to the neighbor's house. You're old enough. The next thing you're like, where's the kid? Yeah, they're three doors down. Like, where'd they go? Like, they're, they're two cities over, and how did that happen? Uh-huh. That's that government. That, yes, you, you're right. You're right. You give That's, an inch, they take them out, and you can't do that any longer. I mean, that, well, we, you should, we should have never done it. No, we should never have. But now that it's happened, now you have to fight to get it back. I mean, when you allow a child who give you, you when you give a child permission to do something, mm-hmm. and then they, you're like, you're allowed, like you said, you're allowed to go to your next door neighbor. You know who they are. You know the kids there, blah, blah, blah. You're allowed to go over there as long as they're home. Okay. And then next thing you know, three weeks later, they're two doors down with the parent with another kid that they're not at home. And so now it's like, you know what? You don't get to leave the yard anymore. And, and that, it's not just that you don't have to. You have to ask before you can go to the yard and again. That's where we, we don't need, trust you. And that's where we need to be with government. Yes. We have become entirely too comfortable saying, <laughs> well... They must mean well for us. They do not. No, they, they don't. never have. They never have. They never will. Why? Because they are usurpers of the authority of God. Now, when you find a government that is willing to say we submit to God and we honor him, well, then you can give them a little bit more rope. But until you get a government that's willing to do that, the answer is no. no. All yep. right. I agree. I agree. Here's why. Okay. The experts aren't experts anymore. Probably never were to start with. All right, what were we talking about? The classics department at Princeton University recently decided that the idea that classics majors ought to know Latin or Greek has been a mistake. Now, Kima, we're talking about classics. We're talking about, like, you know, Aristotle, yeah. Plato, Homer, Virgil, that crowd. Okay. The, the, the Seneca, Cicero, those guys. All right. So all the, the classical thinkers. Yes. Yeah. They wrote in Greek and Latin. That was so. In order to read their works directly, then you would expect to be able to read them in Greek or Latin. That makes sense. I'm sure that's until now. Undergrads who wanted to study and who wanted to major in the study of classical texts needed to come into the concentration with at least an intermediate level of Latin or Greek. Which, by the way, in most colleges, an intermediate level is considered, depending on the school and how they classify their classes, a a two, a one, or a two level. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I was – the college I went to was still on the hundreds for their classes. Mine was, too. Yeah. So, you so, – it's so like intermediate was considered anything above 201, 202. Yeah. 
was intermediate level. So a third a third semester student yeah, can be counted there. as an intermediate. <laughs> We're not asking for a a high bar here. Um, under undergrads who wanted to major in the study of classical texts needed to come into the concentration with at least an intermediate level of Latin or Greek. Now, a year or two. For those of you who don't know how American college works, because we do have people that download from all over, typically it's a four-year program. We mm-hmm. take 27 years to do it in this country on, on the par. Um, but it's a four-year program. The first two years are what are known as your gen ed. They yes. don't count towards your major concentration. Uh-huh. If you're going to major in the works of, you know, whoever, you're going to ma- major in the works of Seneca, you're going to try to learn Latin as in your upper level stuff, but your lower level, you still have to take English. You have to take Western civilization, yeah, English. History. You have to take a lab science, a, uh-huh. a liberal arts program, typically up upwards of 20 or more. Uh, classes. Yeah, I think I had 60, 65 credit hours typically. Yeah, I so think that sounds right. Yeah. In all of those classes, you need to manage to take three to six mm-hmm. classes in one of these languages. The assumption being because you've done that, when you get to your higher level, you can now move into Latin or Greek 300, 400 level yeah, classes. You can now read this it is and not, understand it, not this just is not first a, basics. Yeah, this isn't just learning the words. Yes. You, you've actually learned the words. You've yes. learned how to read, how to break it down. You've learned all, basically like your high school languages yes. when you take high school French, yes, Spanish, yes, or whatever. Yes, 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 yes. Now, it's the same thing with now, college. Those students will no longer even have to learn either language to receive a degree in classics. So not only do they not have to come into the major with an intermediate level, they don't even have to study it as, at an upper level. During their major concentration. So how are they going to be reading their works? The official argument for the new policy at Princeton does not explicitly follow radicalized lines. Josh Billings, a classics professor who is the department's head of undergraduate studies, has argued in Princeton's alumni magazine that having new perspectives in the field makes the field better. He further noted that having people who come in who might not have studied classics in high school and might not have had a previous exposure to Greek and Latin, we think that having those students in the department will make it a more vibrant intellectual community. It's going to be a massive confusion of ideas. So so wait, (laughs) having people that don't have a foundational knowledge of the material being discussed is going to make the intellectual community more vibrant and robust? No, they're going to butcher it and dumb it down to the point where it doesn't even make sense. They're going to sound like a bunch of just ridiculous idiots. That's what it's... No, that doesn't work. You can't learn something in a language and not know what the language is. This is let's let's draw the theological comparison. This is this is the equivalent of asking a bunch of people with theology degrees to sit around and talk to Sunday school teachers who have never done anything more than read the Lifeway curriculum on Saturday night before their class. Yes. And expect that we're going to have a vibrant intellectual community. No, no we're not. No, we've we're already not. been there. We're already having those conversations because and they what ends sound up ridiculous. Happening, what ends up happening is the people who are who don't have the foundational knowledge don't know what they don't know. Yes, and they end up getting very quiet very fast because they realize they don't know. And what they thought they knew, they are going they put in their place really, really quickly. And therefore, the conversation is one-sided because no. they don't have the knowledge. Here's where it gets That's racist. Here's where it gets racist. Oh, it was racist? Yes, it's racist. Here's why. 
I'm saying they're racist. Oh, okay. You're Princeton saying is racist, and okay. I'm saying that. Here's why. All right. The website also announces that the department wants to create opportunities for the advancement of students and colleagues from historically underrepresented backgrounds within the discipline. This will mean ensuring that a broad range of perspectives and experiences inform our study of the ancient Greek and Roman past. In other words, part of the reason for this decision is to get more minorities involved in the study. If they cared to start with, they would be involved in it. If you want, okay, let's just say that it's a valid goal to say we don't have enough black people in the classics program at Princeton. I don't think that's a valid goal. I think you would want, I think any major should want the best and the brightest of any organization and any group to be a part. But let's just say it's a valid goal to say we need more black people in the classics program at Princeton. Okay. Wouldn't the best way to do that be to get high school students to studying Greek and Latin so that they have an appreciation and a a concern and a passion for classical literature so that yes. they then wish to study it? Are we going – are we saying, well, we want more people involved? So rather than get more people involved, we'll make it easier for people to be involved. That way they don't have to accomplish anything to do it. Yeah. Again, all you're going to do is alienate them. All you're going to do is alien. When they do is t- taking these courses, they're not going to know what to say. They're going to sit in the back. They're not going to say a word. They're South be Park alienated. was right. Yes, they were. Do you remember what they named the one black kid in South Park? Token. Yes, that, I do. This is it. That's this what they is, want. This they is tokenism want. at work. Yes, it is. We want more black people. All right, so Not because we care so that you black need people more don't black, know it. You need more black kids to fake. study Latin and Greek. No, no, no. We don't need that. We just need more black people. Why? They don't care. If they cared, they'd study Latin and Greek. And there are those who do. Agreed. That's so, because my assumption is there. you're a classics major because you actually care about the classics. What do you do with that classics major after you graduate? Other than work at a library and teach it? When you, when you figure that out, you let me know. Okay, I'm just, I mean, that's maybe why so many people don't, especially As two minorities. people sitting here who may have three useless degrees, we, <laughs> we, yeah. we literally possess two education and one theology degree between us. Yeah, so. that's true to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, for in people— Yeah, my, my education degree, I have found, has been a very much l- not appropriate for children because for what I have to deal with day in and day out. So, so I yeah. mean, when but, we talk yeah. about it, I don't, I don't begrudge people that go into a narrow field. Just know that if you're going into a narrow field, you better be darn good at it if you expect to make a living off of it. So, yeah. I'm, try- I'm like you, though. So, what are you going to do with a degree in the classics when you can't read them? Yeah, you're, you. Once you leave that class, you can't go to the library and start teaching it. So what you you're saying is, you could work conceivably at a museum and so no. We're actually going to create what they're actually going to do: an Ivy League school, which is supposed to be the creme de la creme, creme. of the United yeah. States educational system. Yeah, right. Our they are our Oxford, you know, and and things like that. Uh-huh. We're actually an Ivy League school is actually going to create a scenario in which someone who has a bachelor's degree from their institution in the classics will know less about the classics and be worse off teaching them than some junior in high school that's taking second year Greek or Latin. That's a waste of money. <laughs> and a waste of time. That. And, and that's, Because if you show up with a degree from we're Princeton... We're just going to make everybody dumber thinking they're smart. But if you show up with a degree from Princeton, the assumption is what? You know your stuff. You know this. Yeah. You mean, you, you did the work. You know this. This stuff I mean, was... The kid who read the classics in high school and took three years of Greek in high school, mm-hmm. 
versus the kid who's got a major, a bachelor's degree from Princeton in 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 the Greek classics, but can't read. But Greek. you could. But this is creating the scenario where you could conceivably put the the Iliad in front of both of them. Mm-hmm. The one who went to high school and took three years of Greek in high school could read it and explain it. The kid who's got a degree from Princeton is going to go, um. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think it's necessary to know the language. You just have to know what they're talking about. Well, you can't read it if you don't know the language. No, yeah, yeah that that's the scenario no. that is. You know, this kind of reminds oh, me no. of. Be afraid. There was a commercial. I don't remember what it was for, but this man, this guy walked into the office, and there's this, a guy and this woman. And she says, "All right, this is what I need you to do," and she tells him what to do, and he sits down at the office, and she goes. I don't do this stuff. I've got I, I've got a, a, a master's degree. She goes, oh, you have a master's degree. Well, here, I, let me show you how to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she actually said that, and she took the master's. We click here, and then we click here. Am I going too fast for you? I mean, it was literally, you're just an educated idiot. Yeah. What you're and seeing, that was years ago when that commercial was on. It was no. funny, and now it's life. This is important, though, because this is something that's made its way into the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's what's known as standpoint epistemology. So, the argument the argument that's being made here is the one that's going to be that's being made by the woke CRT crowd in theology. The argument is we need more black people in the classics. Why? Because a black person who doesn't know Greek or Latin has an input and a perspective on classical literature that is unique to them, regardless of their education level, simply because. They are black. And because of that, they are better suited to discuss issues that would pertain to the black community than a student who actually can read it, exegete it, and break it down. And this is what you're getting in Christian living right now is because throughout history, the goal of biblical, uh, biblically faithful pastors and educators has been – to ground you in scriptural knowledge, to ground you in the understanding of the word so that you can break it down, understand it, and then explain it to others so that you can live it out and teach them how to live it out so you can mm-hmm. be a disciple and make disciples. Yeah, so everybody's so building the same foundation. That requires some historical knowledge. That yes. requires linguistic knowledge. Uh-huh. That requires cultural understanding, not of your culture, but of when biblical was, culture. Yes. The same that, thing with what, And, and yeah. those areas of expertise made you an expert in exegetical frameworks and uh-huh. the ability to disciple. Yeah. What's being said now is, no, 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 no. Even without all of that, black people and brown people have a unique perspective and you need to listen to it. They're not qualified. They don't have all those things that just rattle. It doesn't matter. They're black and they're brown and you're white. Therefore, you need to listen. The same argument that's being used there is the same argument that Princeton is actively making. So Princeton's just going to remove all the Greek classics and just tell them, the, what's your opinion on no, this No, they'll person? study the English translations, but they'll study them in some esoteric way that doesn't have anything to do with what Virgil and Homer and what Seneca actually wrote. Yeah, what they were. <laughs> it's one of those things like when we talk about Bible translations, I'm always like, what kind do you have? Well, we have paraphrase. We have word for word. We have thought for thought. I want word for word. I cannot read Greek. I cannot read Hebrew. Sorry, I tried. There's a couple of words I can pick out every now and again when I was helping you study when you were going through seminary. But when it comes down to it, it's like, no, I want it word 
for word. Don't as rearrange it. Yeah, well, word for word. As, it. Word for word as much as you can. Yeah. And I wouldn't be I would be okay if it was written backwards word for word because that's how Paul wrote it, because that's how it is in the Greek word for word. Well, the problem then is I'd it, have to agree. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be hyper Yodaism because it wouldn't yeah. make any sense in English. Exactly. But then I would minds. have it actually as it is Agreed. and try to pay attention to it. But I know I'm not missing anything. But are you just now are they gonna use thought for thought Greek words? <laughs> Is this what Homer was thinking about? Was he thought, thought for thought? But you see the problem Yes. Now now I have to worry about what, can I trust the person who who translated it? You're now seeing the issues that are afoot here and the problem that's going on is as we are no longer saying these are the hoops you must jump through Mm -hmm. to actually engage in this field, what we're really doing is just weakening the field. Yeah, we just weaken it down to where it doesn't matter who you are. The same thing is true in theology. Yes. If you do not demand of your theologians that they actually know something, have, as Paul put it, studied to show themselves approved, Mm -hmm. accurately handling or rightly dividing in the literal, rightly dividing the word of truth— that's what you're supposed to do. If you don't do that, you don't get a seat at the table. But Mm-mm. welcome to the world. Would you like to see how bad the experts got it wrong? Oh, okay. I think you know this story, but it'll be worth going over again. All right. Experts in what? We've been told for well over a year oh. that widespread forced public masking should be implemented because even if only moderately to slightly to negligibly negligibly effective at curbing the spread of COVID-19, there are zero drawbacks. So masks, if... So even if masks don't work, it does still ain't going to hurt you. Yeah. What's the harm, they ask? It's only a minor inconvenience, yeah. they bleat. If it saves one life, it's worth it, they implore. Meanwhile, we on Team Reality have not only continued to point to the real-world data that shows masking to be entirely ineffective, we've also maintained that forced public masking, especially long-term, has negative societal and even health ramifications that the powers that be are all too happy to ignore in subservience to their newfound face mask god. I like this guy. I do too. It only stands to reason that one of those health ramifications would be the fact that millions of people, particularly children, have been forced to wear and carry around pieces of cloth they've continually breathed through for hours on end. What lurking pathogens might be found on those disgusting contraptions being incessantly handled, stuck in pockets, and mindlessly tossed on books, tables, and desks? Well, one group of Florida parents sent a batch of masks worn by their children to a lab to find out. And yeah, you'll probably need to make sure you aren't eating dinner anytime soon before you digest these results. So out of Gainesville, Florida, they sent masks. Now, granted, this is not a massive study. I think they sent six or so masks in. But it's, it, it five, opens the door for one. Five worn by children, one by, worn by an adult. But that was okay. that, that was their whole point is yeah. if, if we – now, you ready for this? Few, so however bad this is, right. just a few of them, we need to look at all of them. Five of the masks – again, mm-hmm. five were worn by children, one by an adult. They don't tell you which one's which. Five masks were contaminated with bacteria, parasites, and fungi, including three with dangerous pathogenic and pneumonia-causing bacteria. No viruses were detected on the masks, although the test performed was capable of detecting viruses. Oh, no. Streptococcus pneumonia. Oh, ew. Mysobacterium tuberculosis. TB. Really? Neisseria meningitis. Septic meningitis. Oh, my gosh. I can't even say this one. Ancothamoeba polyphaga, 
which is keratitis and granulomatous amoebic encephalitis. Ooh. Acinobacter baumani, which causes pneumonia and meningitis. Oh my god. And by the way, it's also responsible for bacterial resistant urinary tract infections in mostly women. Escherichia coli, otherwise e. known as E. coli. E. coli. Well, that makes sense. Borrelia burgdorferi, which causes Lyme's disease. Lyme's disease. Yep. Diphtheria. Didn't we get rid of that? Not in your face. (laughs) You'll know what this one is. Uh Legionella pneumophilia. Legionnaire's disease. disease. Literally the stuff you don't even hear about. Yes. So is that all these diseases are still floating around. Staphylococcus pyogenesis serotype M3. Highly morbid, high morbidity rate staph infections. Oh my goodness. So all these things are floating around that you just, you pass by them in passing, but the mask is catching them and holding them to your face. Last but not least, Staphylococcus aureus, which causes meningitis and sepsis. The face masks studied were new or freshly laundered before wearing and had been worn for five to eight hours during in-person schooling by children aged 6 through 11. One was worn by an adult. A t-shirt worn by one of the children at school and unworn masks were tested as controls. No pathogens were found on the controls. Proteins found in the T-shirt, for example, are not pathogenic to humans and are commonly found in hair, skin, and soil. So they took one of the kids' T-shirts that he had been wearing along with the mask and sent them both in. The mask contains this garbage. The T-shirt has nothing. Because he's not breathing, he's not pulling mm-hmm. air towards mm-hmm. his face. However, the mask is catching and holding it. Whereas- and not only holding it, holding it in a. You ready for Wet. this? For anybody who's ever had to clean anything, a dark. Moist environment. Yes. Which is a breeding ground for, for bacteria. So if, if, so if one of these spores or bacteria pieces lands on your shirt, what are the odds it can survive for any good length of time? No, not Very really. Little. No, yeah. Because it's out in the open. Yeah. It's this fresh but air. In that nice, damp interior your of your face, your mouth. where it's nice and warm and wet and all of that good stuff, what happens? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. These, they don't cause any harm. The experts say, the experts can't read Greek and Latin, even though they claim to be an expert in Virgil. Yeah. The experts say it's not safe to shake hands and we'll fine you however much money it takes to get you to stop gathering with your friends and neighbors. The experts just want one thing and one thing only. To make you do what they say. There Control. it is. There it is. Oh, my goodness. These poor babies. Now, they, why they, haven't they we done? For this. Why haven't we worn masks every year during flu season since the 1920s? Because, because they we don't know work. this. Because in the 1920s, they realized it didn't work. A hundred years ago, they realized Your this mask did not has work. never been about public health. It has no. always been about public control. Yes, it has. Mask so. mandates, capacity limits, all of these things have been about one thing and one thing only control and they lie to you and say well the experts say start asking your questions which experts what do they know because again in about eight years you're going to have experts telling you what virgil actually meant who can't who can't read virgil any better than you can when you probably don't even know classical greek i read koine greek not classical greek and i could probably read virgil better than some of these ivy league educated experts in the next decade let that sink in for how this actually works we're making people dumber 
by giving them a degree in nothing. These people are not experts. No. They are not with your best interest in mind. They are about one thing, and it is about undermining the authority Mm -hmm. and your obedience to God. Yes. That's it. Yes, it is. That's it. They deny God, therefore they seek to become him. There you go. Yep. Sadly, that is what our world is coming to. So what have we learned here today, children? It ain't good. (laughs) (laughs) Slippery slopes are just that. Yes. You see that in Canada? Wrong diagnosis leads to the wrong treatment. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough black people. Well, why not? Because we don't answer that question wrong, and the way you address the question will be answered wrong as well. Exactly. Never trust the lies of the world. And by the way, when the world speaks, it speaks lies because that is its true nature, because it is doing the bidding of who? It's father, father, who was a liar from the beginning. And yes, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing what Jesus told the religious leaders. Why did he tell them that? You speak lies, you're speaking in your natural habitat because that's what you are in Satan. Welcome to the world in general. We do not live in a Christian world. We live in a pagan, fallen world. Always be aware of that truth. Yep. Questions, comments, complaints, and info at practicaltheologyministries.com. You can go to the website, get links to everything you want to find. All it's the all happy there. stuff. So... You know what? If you got a question, send it. If you got a story you want us to review, we enjoy it. Yeah. Send it to us. We'll look at it. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.